Oh, oh, oh. 
morning. We came to worship. We came to glorify the one who made a difference, the one who gave me a life I never could imagine. I thank you, God. There's no one worthy of praise like you. There's no one higher than you, God.
without having a human come up and speak through a microphone to you. God's been ministering through song, through the presence this morning, raising faith and elevating belief that he's going to move in your specific need. And so what we're going to do right now is ministers will anoint you with oil if you decide to step out in faith, be prayed for and with by somebody that believes that God is going to move in your life this morning. You don't have to wait till the altar call. You don't have to wait till the perfect word is spoken during the preaching, but God can move in an instant. And so what we're going to do is open the altars for anybody to receive prayer. Ministers will anoint you with oil and pray with you and over you. And I'm believing in healing this morning. I'm believing in God ministering to our spirits this morning, uplifting a tired heart, uplifting a weary mind. I believe God is going to move this morning. And so, Father, I thank you for what I've already felt in this place, knowing what you can and will do. And God, I pray for a response this morning to you. An act of faith, God, that proclaims that, God, we put faith in you over what we see in front of us, that we believe in you more, God, than what we experience every day in our life. So, God, I pray that you heal, that you deliver, that you restore, that you move on us. In Jesus' name, amen.
seated for a moment. We have some announcements to make, and then we'll take our tithes and our offering. Today, this morning, you are blessed to know that you are going to be ministered to Brother Mike McGuire over here joining us. We are so excited. Did I say today or tonight? Did I say today? I hope I said today because I'm meaning today. It's not tonight. I'm ministering tonight. That's my spot. But today, this morning. And so, Brother uh, Pastor McGuire, he is somebody, he has quickly become one of my favorite ministers and preachers to hear. And so I know we are going to be blessed this morning. And so that being said, our uh, senior high class will be staying downstairs this morning to hear and to be blessed as well. And so then tonight leads us into Youth Sunday. We are going to be having Youth Sunday. The students will be singing and it will be phenomenal. Make sure you are there. You say, well, I'm not youth. It doesn't matter. Uh, Get here. And it's not for just young people. It's for anybody who wants to be in the presence of God. It's just a youth-led service. And I believe that God is going to move in that service. I truly believe it. And then on the 18th through the 22nd, we have General Conference in Indianapolis. On the 20th, uh, Brother Proctor is going to be ministering to us. So that's going to be here this Wednesday night. Brother John Proctor is preaching. That's something that's always phenomenal. And then on the 21st is Ladies United Fellowship. That will be at High Cotton. And Sister Dot Lipscomb will be ministering there. So make sure you sign up in the foyer. Also on the 23rd, uh, Journey Girls will be meeting at the Shoemake's house. So if you have any questions about that, get with uh, Sister Shoemake and she will answer that for you. And on the 24th, our mission pledge is due. And on the 24th also is Care Group 4 Luncheon with Sister Glenna Jackson. That is the leader. So make sure if you're in that care group that you're answering the text message of what you are bringing and that you are going and that is going to be a great time. And also, and, and if you don't know what care group you're in, we have it in the foyer. We have it on paper. You can see what care group you are in. And if you don't see your name or if you have questions, uh, reach out to somebody that is not me and uh, they'll be able to answer it for you. And on the 30th, we have our North Texas District Northeast Section Ladies Conference and Grace Fellowship in McKinney. So make sure, ladies, you are going to that. And also our um, Move the Mission card. So we've been talking about it, and I've talked about how cute that board is. And you've seen it that my wife made, our Move the Mission fundraising board. How I do think it's cute. I'm tired of seeing it, though. So that means we got to clear it off. That means we got, I'm tired of seeing it, so we need to get all the cards off of it. And what that means is what you'll do is grab a card with a number on it, and that is the number that you pledge to give to move the mission. And so if you grab a card that says six on it, you'll be pledging $6. If you grab a card that says 85, you'll be pledging $85. However, if you really like the number 100, but the number 100's gone, you can grab the number four and add $96 to it. And you're good to go, and you've got 100. And so I really am believing that we can clear out this board. If we clear out this board, that's $5,050 that you have raised to move the mission. And I believe in that. I believe that's something great because not all of us can go out into the mission field. Not all of us can go overseas, but we can give, and we can sacrifice giving to move the mission. And what that does, it goes to be able to give vehicles for missionaries it goes into our local district as well to pay for camps and for conferences it really blesses 
those that are moving the mission to those who were not able to hear it before. And this is our opportunity to give. And so make sure you are clearing out this board so I don't have to look at it anymore. And I'm excited for that. And then also we have, uh, if you are bringing candy or money donations to the superhero night for the fall festival, uh, please drop it off in the church kitchen and it will be located where it needs to be. But now, if the ushers could come, we're going to take our tithes and our offering. Father, thank you for your presence. God, I pray that you continue to move today. Anoint what's given and bless the giver. Anoint the word as it's brought. In Jesus' name. Let's give that praise group a good hand. My, what singing, 
leading us into the presence of the Lord. I am certainly blessed to be here today. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm actually a parasite. Well, that's not a Paris person. <laughs> Amen. Many, many, many years ago, I uh, went back in 1956. Anybody still here from 1956? You came here in 19... There's one. Well, it looks like me and you and John Davis got this by ourselves. All right. We're the ancient of days. <laughs> These young people are looking at me like, man, I knew he was old, but I didn't know he was that old. May have to help him off the platform. But uh, it's great to be with you. And I could not help but think as I was sitting there a while ago, I was watching these young people sing in the year of 1964, I think it was, or 65. Uh, we had a little trio and we came up here, Brother D. Hart was a pastor at the time, and invited our trio up to sing. And we got on the, oh, we were going to Paris to sing. We were so excited. And we came up here and sang sang a few old Dottie Rambo songs way back there. Some of y'all don't know who that is. But anyway, we sang some of her songs and had a good time in the Lord. Brother Billy Stanley was here that morning on his way to New York City to build a church. And I'll never forget those days. Had a lot, got a lot of memories here. Amen. Brother, Brother Adams, Elder Adams, and he was always good for a car. If you were looking for a car, you could find one. Brother Adams could help you. He was in the car business back then. And a few times, his wife, his sweet wife, would come by my grandmother's when I was staying with her in the summertime to pick us up for Sunday school and bring us to church. And, of course, back in those days, church looked a little different than it does today. And uh, we were over on the big metropolitan area of Grove Street. Some of y'all may not know where Grove Street is, but we were over there. In fact, I drove down by Groves the other day and took a picture of the church and the building and found a house over there on Grove Street. Believe it or not, it's still standing. I think somebody was in it. I saw a satellite dish. The door was hanging off the front of it, but I did see a satellite dish. So I knew somebody was paying the bill, but took a picture of that. I had my picture made there in 1955 or 4 as a little boy standing in that old dirt drive. Well, enough of that. But anyway, just to say, hey, I'm not just a stranger to Paris. And I was here when it was cool to drive up and down North Main. That's right. Some of y'all might remember that. We did the drag. We went by the Owl Drive-In. Anybody remember the Owl Drive-In? Well, there's two. <laughs> I'm already telling I'm out of touch. All right. Praise God. I've got a different generation. Anybody ever go on Facebook and see those pages, you know, remembering when, remember Paris or remember Dallas? I don't think I went for Dallas, but anyway. And you go back and you tell about what you did back then. It tells you something when you go back and list something on that page and nobody responds because <laughs> you're too far back. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I tell you. No, I did have a few folks respond to my high school page. But I'm glad I know the Lord, and I'm really glad I know you folks too. I'm glad I know him more, but I'm glad I know you. And I thought it's this Meyer family, they're like an extended family of mine. In fact, someone the other day said, now you're, you're the Meyer from Paris, aren't you? I said, no, that's Meyer. 
I'm McGuire. And I said, we're like family. And I thought as I was listening to the singing, the first song you sang, and talking about the goodness of God and His ability to forgive us, to wipe our slate clean, That is beautiful. Thank the Lord. We always get another chance. Somebody said, well, I'm a guy of the second chance. Well, I'm about the fifth, the fiftieth, the sixtieth. But the thing that keeps me coming back is like this song says. It's my desire just to live for Jesus. It's my desire to live for Him. So often I fail, and I brought Him much pain, but it's my desire. Just to live for Him. If you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love Him so. desire I have a desire 
just to live for Him. Do you feel that way? Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. My, 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 my. Amen. I thought as I was in here sitting watching this praise, I thought, Brother Meyer doesn't need me up here. You folks just need to have church. My, the Holy Ghost is in this place in a beautiful way. Is that Brother Bob Bolton back there I see? Bless his heart. Let's give Brother Bolton a good hand. Brother Bolton's a little older than me, not much, but uh, I remember when I came here as a little fella, it wasn't Paris Church unless Brother Bolton was up here clapping those hands and a singing. My, could he lead a worship service. Brother Bolton, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Praise the Lord for putting into this church many wonderful years of praise and worship. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you know anything about Bob Meyer, Pastor Meyer, Pastor Bob Meyer, if you want to lead an exciting like you, just follow Bob Meyer around for a while. Now, all his kids and grandkids know this. Uh, he's a great guy. And his wife, sweet Donna Meyer, such precious people. But I'll tell you one thing, he's embarrassed me a few times, so. Uh... <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I'll tell you, I'll never forget one time we went skiing and we were up in Durango. And so he was talking about wanting to go to this log cabin at night where they served stew and, uh, you know, up in the mountains. And I'm so glad I went for that reason to see the cabin and uh, we went up in the mountains the bus took us up there stopped on the side of the highway it's pitch black two of these horse sleigh drawn sleighs come up there and we get on those then they take off through the woods for about 30 or 40 minutes and snow up to your waist these sleighs are going through the woods and finally look way down in the valley and there's this little old log cabin I mean it looked like it was that big from where we were at and that sleigh kept going around and around till finally we got down to their level and it was it was picturesque. Log cabin had a little old red and white checkered curtains hanging on the window. Had a chimney with smoke coming out of it. We got out of the sleigh and we walked to the door and they opened up that big door. Had a big old fire going in the hearth. Had a big old pot of stew going. Had about, I don't know how many folks, was in about 35 or 40 different people gathered there, sleighs had pulled up, and it was a tour thing, you know. And, uh, and uh, the only thing you wouldn't have liked was the bathroom was about 50 feet behind the house. Some of y'all don't know what that's about, but anyways, 50 feet out there. And the snow was up here, they had a path cut out there. But it was picturesque, you know. And uh, so I was just, you know, we was all having a good time. And, and I was sitting there eating with Brother Meyer on my left side there. And all of a sudden he said, uh, of course he called me, he said, Mike, you're fixing to sing. I said, what? And he just stands up and starts either tapping the glass or something, I don't know. He got everybody's attention. I only knew four people in that room, just about him and his wife and a couple more. He said, ladies and gentlemen, my friend has wrote a song and he needs to sing it. I thought those poor people 
paid 20 something dollars a head to come down here and eat this stew and eat these rolls and get a cobbler and now I'm fixed to stand up and give them all an upset experience but uh, you know sometimes folks just have to push you into a place and Brother Meyer is one of those he'll push you into a place and I had just written a song and it's not a it's a Christian borderline song so I don't want to sing much of it but you folks are so precious that I'll just sing a little bit of the chorus. Soon time will close the door. And I'm a softy, I'm sorry. And we can't go back anymore to places that we've been and friends we knew back then. Still their faces I can see You know their thoughts, they're dear to me We've made some memories For there's no artist brush can stroke And feeling that provoke As we remembered when And there's no picture on the wall That could ever tell it all It's somewhere deep within And so this moment now we live What do you say? Let's give it all that we can give And make amends Love you guys. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a hand of praise. Oh, my, my, my. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm here to preach, not sing. And uh, don't know that I do either one that well. But we're going to stand. And I want to read a verse of Scripture in Revelations and then one in John. And uh, I will do my best to have you out of here into the restaurant before the Baptists get there. Praise the Lord. But if the Lord moves in and wants to talk to us at the close, that's all right too, isn't it? Praise God. Amen. That's right. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Then John 5 and 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, Jesus is speaking, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. That's kind of like saying he will not go into the room of condemnation because he or she is passed from death to life they just don't go there condemnation is not a place they go hallelujah I want the Lord to speak to us on this simple subject 
a white stone. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of the word and thank you for these wonderful, precious families that are here. And I'm sure there are some, this is their very first time. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to say something that will help and inspire them. And they want to come back and hear the pastor of this church do such a great job. We ask, Lord, that you help us now in this delivery. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand of praise before we're seated. Man, thank you. You may be seated. If you went to the book of Zechariah, chapter 3 and verse 2, you get an inside look to the disposition and the personality of God. The wonderful way that God has not only of working in the past, but also working now in the hearts and lives of each and every one of us. What I'm about to share with you in the book of Zechariah is actually a vision, it's a dream. It was not something that was just happening on the street, but the Lord laid this on the heart of a prophet, and he looked into what I call behind the scenes. You know, if you really want to know someone, you use that expression from time to time. I really would like to go behind the scenes and really see what makes them tick, really why they are who they are and why they respond in the way that they do. And so I'm reading from Zechariah chapter 3 and 2, and it has to do with a vision that God gave this prophet concerning Israel. He has given Israel a singular face by the name of Joshua, which comes from the word Jehovah has become our Savior. And the word Joshua is representing, in this particular case, the whole country of Israel or the tribe of Israel. <clears throat> and the Bible says here, the prophet records, that the Lord moved upon him and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Satan does not want you coming into the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm sure that even though I am feeling and experiencing something here right now that is so good and so rich, I'm sure that somewhere in this building, the enemy of our soul is trying to bring into the halls and the minds of men and women some particular experience or something to distract you from what God would like to say to your heart this morning. But we're going to press on. And the Bible said that the Lord spoke to him and Satan was standing in his right hand to resist him. But listen to what the Lord said. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Amen. There's someone that is in this room besides Satan, and I've been feeling his presence since I got here. Hallelujah. And he has been accommodating me, amen, and supplying me. Praise the Lord with the focus that I need to feel what I am feeling right now. Amen. The Bible said that the Lord looked at Satan and rebuked him. Even the Lord, he said, hath chosen Jerusalem. You're not here by accident. God brought you here. I'm looking behind the scenes to how God, amen, operates in regards to his people. And the Bible said, now look, this is how Joshua was dressed. It says, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, this is God speaking. You'll notice throughout this reading, Joshua says nothing. He's standing there in this vision, no doubt embarrassed 
in the presence of God, not properly fitted nor dressed to be in the presence of the Lord and to compound the situation, the enemy of his soul is standing with his finger pointing at him and looking at God and saying, look how he looks, look how he's dressed. He doesn't even deserve to be where he is today. And the first thing God says is, devil, shut up. I'm running this right now. I'm handling this. Oh, hallelujah. I just felt something then. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is in this house. And the first thing he's going to tell the devil for the next little while is you shut up. I'm fixing to talk to these people right here. Praise the Lord. He said, I rebuke thee. He said, I have chosen Joshua. I have chosen these people. And he said, the first thing I want you to do, angels, I want you to take away his filthy garments from him. And he said this, amen, and notice what he says here. He said, I have caused, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. I want to say at the very offset here today, you cannot remit yourself. Only God can cleanse us. Somewhere along the way, God just steps in and he starts washing and he starts cleansing. And he says, devil, back over in the corner here. This is my house. I'm going to be working here right now. Hallelujah to God. And I'm going to cleanse because that is what I have chosen to do. Amen. And he said, I want you to take off the filthy garments. Take off everything that represents what has happened over the last many hours or many days or many weeks. I want you to remove that, he said, from Joshua. And now he said, I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Amen. May I just say here for a moment that when that prodigal came home to his dad and his dad turned around and said, go get the best robe. There was no question what robe they were going for, my friend. They went in the closet, in dad's closet, and they pulled out dad's robe, and they wrapped that prodigal in dad's robe. I'm going to tell you what you're wearing here today in the presence of the Lord is not your righteousness, not your goodness, but when you came in here, the presence of the Lord said, shut up, spirit of condemnation. Bring in the best robe. I will remit their iniquity, and I will robe them in my righteousness. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for that. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And he said, I will set a fire, a fair mitre. That just simply means the symbol of authority, the position of authority. I'm going to put it on their head. There was a time when they had authority, but he said the enemy took it away from them, but I'm going to put it back on them. Remember, Joshua's just standing there looking. And God is working. I want to tell you something about God. Sometimes God just moves because he's God. You can't sing him down. You can't worship him down. You can't talk good enough to get him down, Brother Riley. But sometimes God just walks in and says, get out of the way, devil. I'm fixing to do some stuff here right now. He, hallelujah, my child is speechless. My child has nothing, amen, in them to even give to me. But I'm going to step in right now. I want to talk to you about the grace of God. When the mystery of God's grace begins to work, my friend, sometimes he does it just simply because 
because he's God. I've been sitting at a table before and before I could thank God for my food, suddenly he just walks in the door and I can feel the breeze of his presence. And I want to bow my head and just weep because I know he just walked in. I didn't bring him there. He just walked in. Remember this. Sometimes you're going to get in your automobile and you're not even going to think to pray, but God's going to climb in the other side. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's chosen you. You're not just anybody. He's somebody that he gave his spirit to and he does not invest in junk. He does not invest in losing propositions. But when God calls you, he intended to save you and he will do it by his grace. Let's give him some praise today and thank him. He's more than able. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I will restore the fair miter on your head. In other words, I'll put you back in position of authority. I'll put you back where you were. He said, I'll give that to you. And he said, he clothed him with garments. And it said, the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua. That doesn't mean protest that he was resisting. It simply means he reiterated what God just said. Joshua, did you just hear what God said? Man, you ought to be dancing right now. I think Joshua was in utter shock. <laughs> he came undressed. He's not even there wearing what he's supposed to wear. Amen. He's in the presence of God. Ever, ever problem is God is showing like an old bad coat. Ever mole, amen, ever sin, ever problem, it's just sticking out all over him, amen. And God steps in and says, devil, shut up, I know what he is. I can see his faults, I can see his problems, but I'm not here to condemn him, I'm here to fix him. Hallelujah, I'm gonna tell you, this is not a country club, my friend, this is a hospital, <clears throat> I said, let me say that again. This is not a country club. It's a hospital. It's a place where the broken and the hurting and the defeated come to be restored by the hand of the Lord. Give him a hand of, for praise for that. He's worthy of that. I don't know about you. I remember. Anybody remember their first lie? I do. <laughs> I remember my mother told me one time, everywhere we moved, there seemed to be in those days an old building in the backyard. Sometimes they were old shacks, sometimes they were old tool sheds, they were something this, maybe part of an old chicken coop or something. That was one of the requirements when I was five years old. If we were moving, it needed to have an old building in the back. Really, in my mind, I, you know, I could go back there and hide and play and fight wasp and that type of thing. But my mother told me one time, Michael, do not get on top of that building. So I climbed a chain link fence. It's in the dead heat of the summer. I climb upon that corrugated tin roof with my bare feet. Oh, amen. You talk about a hot tin roof. Or I was the cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> Man, I was dancing up a storm. And so I came down that faster than I went up. And in the process of that, I stuck one of those barbs of that old fence in my hand. And my, I cried all the way to the house. Blood just pouring out of my hand. Took a big chunk out of my hand. When I got to the house, my mother said, Michael. Of course, she babied him a bit, fixed my hand. And then she said, you weren't on top of that roof, were you? And I said, no, ma'am. And for the first time in my life at an age of accountability where I really realized what I was saying, I sensed the thing called guilt. The thing called guilt. 
I remember that first lie, and, and it worked on me. And so I, I, I was sitting on the steps, I'll never forget it, at the back porch and in the sun. I was sitting there, and the more I sat there, the more miserable I felt. And finally, I said, Mama, she said, what's wrong, son? I said, Mama, I, I told you a lie. I was on that roof. And she said, well, son, I'm going to have to give you a spanking. <laughs> even with a bandage on your hand. <laughs> I remember some many years ago before that, there was another thing I experienced, and that was called shame, shame. You see, guilt is different than shame. Guilt is when you violate certain principles and convictions that you have in your own heart about things that you've decided that were right, and yet you violated those. And we all, at times, will experience that. So I went through guilt. But then later on, I remember, I remember my mother told me one time, and she said, Michael, she said, I hope that you never smoke. But she said, if you do, I hope to God you can buy your own cigarettes. <laughs> A lot of kids would love to heard that. But anyway, I remember I, I one time, I, or, well, about twice. I remember one time I saw one left on a dresser at half smoke. Amen. And... Uh, Brother Will Hoyt, I mean, a perfectly good cigarette, half smoked. And so I thought, well, hmm, I've always wondered about this. So I, uh, I picked it up. I took a drag on it, blew it out, laid it down. I thought, waited for something to happen. Nothing happened. Later on, I'll never forget, I found another one, smoked it. Well, I never was a smoker. In fact, I think I might have smoked maybe two in my whole life, parts of two. But all of a sudden, I felt shame. Shame is different. Shame is something you do when you know that you've hurt somebody else. It goes a little further. It's not just guilt. It's shame. And I was reading the Bible here in the passage of the Scripture, scripture and the writer says, I'm going to, the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to remove your iniquity it was not just guilt it was something that exceeded guilt it was something called shame I thought as I was reading this a friend and I will not give a name but recently I listened to a testimony and he was testifying telling the story of his son his son lived in a particular state and uh, he was in a position of authority. He made a mistake. He made a moral mistake. And it was so devastating to him that he went to his dad and he talked to his dad about it. His dad told him, son, he said, we can work through this. I'm sorry it happened, but he said, we can get, we can get through this. And he said, but dad, I feel so badly because for your sake. He said, that doesn't matter, son. The thing is, you've got a family, and we're going to work our way through this, and we're going to come out okay. However, the young man, when he went home, could not deal with the shame. And so he told his wife he was going to a particular place, and he didn't know that he would be back. She picked up on it right quick, knew what he was doing or what he was going to attempt to do, and so she followed him there, got there a little later than he did a few minutes, and she found him lying there, I think in the truck or automobile, and he had tried to uh, take his life. 
which he did eventually. And he passed away a few minutes later. And she, of course, was totally devastated. The word shame not only deals with the fact that you're carrying something that is so heavy and so hard. You feel like there's, there's, no, way, there's no way back. There's just no way of, of, of getting back. But God's told Joshua, I'm fixing to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. I am going to take away your iniquity. I'm going to take away the rags of your failures. And I'm going to redress you. And I'm going to refill you. And I'm going to give you your power and authority back. I, God, am going to do that in the presence of your enemy. While Satan is pointing his finger at you, I want you to know what I, God, am going to do. Amen. I was reading in the book of Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 when he said, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. He said, When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. It's important to know what Micah said did not begin with, Rejoice not against me when I stand, I fall. No, he said, Rejoice not against me when I fall, I shall arise. Rising up is just as absolute as the falling down. Amen. You start standing and then you fall, but there's an absolute that says you're coming back up. God gave that promise through the prophet Micah. I want to give you a few thoughts on my original text, and I'll not be long. This is simple but I want to minister to people that are in this building here today. And I want you to know this, that the writer said this, amen, in the book of Micah, he implies it strongly. There is more power in your repentance than there is in your failure. I just want you to chew on that just a little bit. There's more power in your repentance than there is in your failure. And I'll say that again because when you leave here today, I don't care if you remember anything else, I tell you, but there's more power in your repentance than there is in your failure. And I know the enemy will dig up your failure and shake it in front of your face. But when he does remember this, there's more power in your repentance than there is in your failure. Failure is intimidated by your repentance and it will not stand. Praise the Lord. The writer said in the book of Zechariah, he said this, or the book of, excuse me, yes, Zechariah. He said, I've given you, he said, a white stone. And he said this, amen, in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 4. Amen. Here's some things I want you to remember. There are three things that God spoke of that were in the Ark of the Covenant. It was overlaid with gold. It was a golden pot that had manna in it. And there was Aaron's rod that budded. And there was bread inside of that pot, that golden pot. Amen. And the scripture tells us 
in the word of the Lord, Revelations 2 and 17, in my original text, he said, I am going to give you the hidden manna. The hidden manna. I've thought on that a little bit. Hidden just simply means secret. Not everybody knows where it's at. But God says, I know where it's at. And he said, I want to speak to you as the church. And I want you to know to him that overcometh, I am going to give you the hidden manna. The hidden manna was the manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant. Even only God could reach it inside that holy place. I think of the time when Elijah got so discouraged, he ran and hid under a juniper tree and he prayed that God would let him die. He was in such depression and God reached into the holy place and got some hidden manna and he fed the man of God and he restored him. When you come to the house of the Lord and the man of God gets behind the pulpit, the Lord anoints him to reach into a place that a lot of folks cannot go. He reaches and gets the hidden manna. Amen. That manna is going to address what you need as an individual. And there's a lot of needs here this morning, but that manna is going to address the particular need that you have. And one simple message can be preached, but it has a manifold application. That one message, people walk out of here with different problems, but they'll all get an answer. And they'll say, I felt like that preacher was talking directly to me when he was preaching that message. And somebody else with a different problem over here will say the same thing. That's the benefits of the hidden manna. I want to tell you, you got a lot of help on your side today, church. God's intending on you getting through this thing called life, and he's going to get you to the other side, and you're going to make it by the grace of God. Can somebody say amen? I'm here to tell you, he's going to feed you with hidden manna. I love that. To he that overcometh. And then he said this. I'm going to give you a white stone. Just a white stone. Pastor McGuire, why is that so important? Because in the tribunals of the biblical times, when people went to court about situations that would cost them years off of their life, perhaps even the death penalty, there were many times they were acquitted and they would walk out of that court and they would travel across the country. Now, I don't know about you, but they had a saying when I was growing up, bad news travels like wildfire. Good news travels slow. Hello. Isn't it amazing how something can happen over here on one side of the country that's bad? It makes it in a few seconds to the other side of the country. Something good happens and it takes six months. In those days, sometimes people had things happen in their lives and they'd go to court and they just knew that they were going to have to go to prison for years. <laughs> the first Bible verse I ever learned was this. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous amen the verse simply implies amen he not only is our judge but he is our attorney and there were times when people would go to court and they knew when they walked out of there the folks that attended that trial knew what the outcome was 
But when they would leave that city and they'd begin to travel, somebody said, now, now aren't you that person? I, I remember 20, 30, 40 years ago. Hello, have you ever run anybody like that? I mean, you're so excited about your friend, you know, and they're, they're a friend of yours. You said, man, I was with so-and-so this. We had a great time. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 I know them. Get ready. They're about to, you know, dump the trash on you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew. Way back there, yeah, I knew them. They, they fell on their face about 30 years ago. They made a mistake about 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One person came to me like that one time. I said, <clears throat> Do you think they might have repented? Duh. Hello. Folks, if that's out of business, then we're all in trouble. Hello. But just in case they got stretched out somewhere in another part of the country and they hadn't heard the good news, the judge would say, come around here on the other end of the bench. I need to give you something. And he'd give them a white stone. And they would carry it with them. Amen. And every now and then when there's making change for something, they just sort of, you know, casually let it fall on the counter. Man says, I know, oh, uh, well, I just thought I knew who you were. I guess I've got you mixed up with somebody else. Throughout the Bible, there are people that was known as, and the leper, and the thief, and the liar, and the tax collector, and, and, and the, this one, the harlot, or something else, but that was before Christ. After that, they had a name change. You read that verse of Scripture in Revelations, and what does he say? He said, I'm going to give you a white stone. And he said, inside that stone is a new name. And only he that receives it knows what that new name is. I think that old song, Brother Ronnie, used to sing, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. It's mine. Hallelujah. I said, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. It's mine. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I thought some years ago I'd come to Abundant Life Church to be the pastor, and, and I was just, you know, new and didn't know anybody, and I was reaching out to different ones for help and assistance, and, and there was one guy there that just, you know, he seemed like he just had what I needed at the time, and I said, say, fella, I could really use you doing this and that. And he, he said, well, Brother McGuire, could I talk to you in your office? I said, sure. So we went back in the office, and he began to open up his heart, and he said, I, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but he said, I'm not qualified. He said, some years ago a certain thing happened in my life, and so I've, I'm just sort of, you know, on the sidelines here. And I felt like preaching a message and I preached that message to him. And I said, God has given you a white stone. And I handed him in that service a white stone. Some years later, we were just working around the church and doing a little work. And 
he was reaching for something in his pocket and he's pulling out a knife and, and oh, he said, Brother McGuire, he said, you, you, you probably remember this from some years ago, but he said, I carry it everywhere I go. He said, the devil stayed on me for years and so I just take this with me. Every time I empty my pockets and put it on the dresser. You must be talking about somebody else because that's not me. I got a new name. I got a white stone. Hallelujah. If you're thankful for the fact that God reached down and took away all of your iniquity. I said he took all of your iniquity. Devil, I don't know who you're talking about, but that's not me. Oh, my sins are gone. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord right now. I want the keyboardist to come. I uh, look at that guy today and one of the most powerful ministries our church ever birthed was through the hands of a man that carries a white stone. I'd be more free to tell you his name, but I won't. He was involved in a ministry that we have. It's called the altar ministry. And when the Lord laid that on my heart to build altars, to put altars in every home in our church, he was one of those that stepped forward and said, I'd like to do that. You can count on me to be involved in it. Those altars, you know, some of you know the story. We built little benches prayer benches we have constructed over 8,000 of those how did that happen God gave a man a white stone and he said I think I can do that there's a nightclub that used to be in Longview, Texas that had 35 pole dancers. The man was a multi-millionaire, had a 10,000 square foot home outside of Longview with a 6,000 square foot party house. But one day he got an altar from a man that decided to carry a white stone. He said, could I have one of those altars? We said, sure. We put it in his house. Conviction fell on him and his wife. He said, I don't know what's going on, but he said, ever since I put that altar in the foyer of this humongous home he had, he said, my wife woke up in the middle of the night crying. He said, I'm stirred. And he said, Pastor, he's telling me this at a steakhouse in Longview where I met with him. He said, I think all 35 of those pole dancers need God. I said, you think? <laughs> oh, 35 of them got a Bible study. They quit the job. They closed the club and sold the property. 
because God said, I'm going to step in here and I'm going to do what I do best. You don't need to say anything. I'm fixing to change your clothes. I'm going to change your past. I'm going to change your heart. And I'm going to give you a white stone. And if anybody ever asks, what about the old man? You just tell them, that's not me. I've had a name change. Hallelujah. And I've been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been baptized in his beautiful name. And I have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's stand to our feet right right now and clap our hands under the Lord. I was raised Pentecost. This is all I know. I was raised during an era when we didn't hardly believe in anything but creek water and cornbread. Some of you can relate to that. Or at least three of you can. But I preach against sin. I take a stand against sin. But I don't want my preaching to ever be louder against the sin than it is in glorifying the power of repentance. I don't want my message to be so loud on rebuke uh, that people cannot hear my message uh, that says Jesus Christ uh, picked up a cross uh, and climbed a hill. Brother John David laid his life down uh, and gave it for a ransom to everyone that is in this building today. I want to say to every one of you today, you're a privileged person to be standing in this building. Amen. And God's saying, hey, I'm not going to take anything from you except your past uh, that you may be ashamed of, but I'm going to close you. I'm going to feel you. I'm going to cheer you. I'm going to save you. I'm here to tell somebody here today, amen, you're no longer the leper. That was your old name. So when I remember him, and I ask him, have you got a pocket knife on you? Oh, yeah. He said, I've got one right here. And then he, oh, he said, there's that. There's that rock. He said, I've been carrying it for several years now. <laughs> it was so good to know that God still gives out white stones. And so this morning, I'm not going to take any more of your time. I'm just going to allow you to come down here and stand and close in prayer. And I'm going to leave this little basket of white stones here. And maybe this morning, if you just want to take one and put it in your pocket. Hold it forever long you want to hold it. From now till Jesus comes, it's all right. It's in the Bible. And I gave them a white stone. And I fed them with hidden manna. And their name was in the stone. And when they looked at that stone, they realized they were changed by the grace of God. Let's make our way towards the front, if you will. We're going to close with prayer and a song. And you're welcome in your prayer to pick up a stone before you leave here today. Let's sing a little song of prayer, shall we?
let the devil try to force you anymore. To believe in you have to continue in a life of condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus.